0: Welcome to episode 6 of Keeping It a Hundo. I'm your host Maddie Hundo. Today's guest is Mickey Halsted. He's a rapper from the south side of Chicago. He's got a crazy story to tell. We're going to break this episode into two parts cuz the conversation went long and we also recorded in two different locations. The first part was recorded in a hallway at Soho House in Chicago. It was supposed to be recorded in a movie theater inside a Soho House. So the second part is in there, and the sound quality's better. And so we're gonna break it into two parts. It's, It's a lot in there, it's a lot of stuff. He's our first rapper, and he's legit. He came up rapping with a kid by the name of Kanye West before he was Yeezus. And they were both offered deals with cash money at the same time. And we know Birdman is famous for his unorthodox style of negotiating contracts and this is no different so check out this conversation and make sure you're downloading and subscribing and you're telling your friends and you're sharing it leave some comments tell me who you want to see on the show i'd love to hear some ideas and tell me what you think works and what doesn't work so here's episode six of keeping it a hundo with mickey halstead Courtney is an accomplished director. He's also one of my best friends in the industry. He's known as Noise. He's worked with some of the biggest acts in the country. And I always ask him, like, put me on. Who you, who you been working with? Put me on. I want to hear some new stuff. And I would just check out guys he's working with, some of them known, some of them lesser known. And he put me on to this guy, Mickey Halsted. So I liked what I heard. And I wondered, why wasn't this guy more of a household name? So I started researching him and found out this guy's had quite an interesting career. So he's been big in Chicago since the late 90s. He was working with a kid by the name of Kanye West. You might have heard of him. He teamed up with Kanye. Kanye made beats for him. He rapped over Kanye's beats. And the stuff they were doing together got the attention of Birdman and Lil Wayne. They couldn't stop listening to it on their tour bus. Lil Wayne even told Double XL Magazine that Mickey was his musical inspiration. So Birdman eventually offered Kanye and Mickey a deal. Birdman really wanted to sign them. And to get it done, he would use guerrilla tactics as Mickey will explain later. But Mickey signed to cash money against his better judgment and As we know, Kanye had his eyes set on something else, and he headed east and signed with Rockefeller. So you know on Kanye's first album, College Dropout, he's got that track called Last Call, and he talks about how he ended up at Rockefeller. Well, that's Mickey he's talking about. So as far as Kanye goes, the rest is history. But Mickey's story doesn't exactly go the same way. He's tough as leather in the winter, and he's cool as linen in the summer. This is part one of my conversation with Mickey Halsted. You've been watching The Shy on Showtime?
1: A little bit, man. Yeah? A little bit. Um, common is my brother, so I, I wouldn't want to say nothing negative about it. I think it's a dope show, dope concept. I wish that it was... It felt a little more, like, authentic for the language of Chicago and the characters. I know you got to really cast, like, real actors and stuff like that, but at the same time, it's like...
0: This show could be shot anywhere. It doesn't have the yeah. vibe that makes you think, oh, yeah, this is definitely
1: Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be anywhere. It's basically what you what yeah. it, it is, but...
0: Could you use some home cooking.
1: Yeah. That real ling- lingo to let kind of people into our world, like... Sometimes I think that's really important just having somebody that understands the colloquialisms of local culture. You know exactly. what I'm saying?
0: That's exactly how to put it colloquialisms. Yeah, really. Right. All right, um, I knew you were a smart guy.
1: <laughs> you crazy.
0: <laughs> so tell me where you grew up.
1: Man, I grew up south side of Chicago, um, 116th and Morgan, area called the Hundreds. That's like the Wild 100s. Wild 100s, yeah, they call it the Wild 100s. Specifically, my neighborhood is called, was an area called Ragtown, Morgan Park area. um, It's just like, kind of like the wrong side of the tracks, like right across the tracks, uh, a mile or so away, you got what they call Beverly Hills. It was a kind of peculiar neighborhood, but we had like a mixture of these Section 8 townhomes like I lived in, um, with some houses. And then we had the apartments where it's like people stacked up on each other. So my neighborhood was kind of diverse in that you had kind of some people in a couple block radius that were, for what we thought, doing pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And then you had...
0: It's all relative. It's
1: all relative. You know what I'm saying? So growing up poor, I didn't really feel poor until I started really noticing the effects of crack cocaine. You know what I'm saying? and what it was doing to the neighborhood because like, you
0: grew up when i did probably in the 80s yeah
1: i grew up in the 80s seeing the effects of crack cocaine like on my family like if you were born in our era, era like mid to late 70s right crack really started taking a whole like 84 85 yeah. so it's like you it was a it was a time before crack <laughs> you know what i'm saying I call it like the pre-crack era, you know. Once crack came, immediately changes in my family dynamic, like my aunts and uncles dabbed in it, dabbled in it first, and eventually my father got caught up in it. Then I really started feeling the effects of, I felt poor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was a feeling it kind of sticks to my ribs still to this day that I always wanted to escape, you know, that was like my goal. Like I had a great I had a great father, and um, he's not with us anymore today. but um, rest in peace, but especially for the first ten years of my life, like he was the the epitome of a dynamic, all-around great dad. you feel what I'm saying? So it was like I had to benefit. My younger sister, who's five years younger than me, kind of didn't really. She knows he's a great man, but at the end of the day, like she was got more of the crack era family.
0: That's probably why you didn't feel as poor or as yeah. bad as maybe some of your friends were because yeah. you had a dad. And I had a dad. And most people you know, didn't.
1: Most people didn't have a dad, and my dad was the neighborhood dad. Yeah, like he was a um, he was like a legendary basketball player in the city. So it's like everybody, like where I went, I felt like my dad was like. No, oh, you would. Everybody knew him. Man, your daddy was this. Your daddy was that. Your dad, boy, your dad. Like, and so I always felt like the sense of pride. And he didn't make it to the NBA, which was like a really depressing thing in his life. I tell people all the time, man, like, and 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 being in the rap game for a minute uh, really like solidified that it's no more pressure than being famous and poor. You feel what I'm saying? And not rich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, that's the ultimate pressure. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, all right. It's almost as fame a drug in and of itself, but you want to sometimes be able to just wish that you could just blend in and get off the radar because... I
0: think a lot of people don't realize there's a difference.
1: Yeah, it's really... A, it's because a not real everybody different. famous is rich. Yeah, so it's like, you know, and I, I learned a lot from my father because he didn't really hide anything from me even when he got on hooked on drugs he explained it to me like he let me know this is a struggle he's really like he made a real bad decision he'd tell me like well, we knew like don't do heroin like we knew junkies so it's like we laughed at junkies but like it's a certain part of the 80s where it was cocaine and speed and all yeah, that was like acceptable and everybody was, the acceptable. NBA was doing it's coke. like That's what the ball players were doing, Hollywood, all the actors and doing, and everybody. And so, like, crack came on the scene, and in a way, it's like, oh, it's just like fast food coke. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, you're a crackhead. It's like, go to a party and somebody puts it out, and this is what they're doing. My father was a casualty of that. I'm not a real big conspiracy theorist, but it's like, it always just befuddled me. Like, all right. Who invented crack? Like, how did this become like a nationwide phenomenon? Like, how did it just sweep the nation all of a sudden? Like,
0: I saw recently in a show that it was a dude in Bolivia and they were getting this stuff straight from like Colombia down where like Coke comes from. And some dude in Bolivia just started like smoking it, like cooking it and smoking it. And then that spread. You know, they told somebody who lives up in the States, and it just came up there. That's crazy. But I saw it in the documentary. That's crazy.
1: Man, you got to point me to that. You got to send that to me. I'm going to yeah, watch that. But that's it's, interesting. But it just, it was, um, and I've heard all other, just all CIA conspiracies, and it could correlate with what you're saying at the same time, but at, it just always befuddled me, like, damn, like, well, all of a sudden, this crack cocaine. The like,
0: crack laws. Uh, definitely um, that's um, definitely. That's conspiracy. Conspiracy. yeah that's like, not, that's not even that's not even that's conspiracy
1: not even. it's just proven fact you know um and the fact that it just um I saw it ravaged the hood and it kind of like I said in one of my songs man it's like Jordan and crack kind of like hit in the same like year yeah, and yeah. time and it was like a, a crazy he signed the deal in 84 and yeah, think with Nike exactly so it's like at the at the end of the day it was like a real i'm i'm about 10 years old right in the midst of seeing like the transition and so i went from like feeling like this privileged kid because like we were in the townhomes. Not the nice houses, but the townhomes. But I had my dad, you know what I'm saying? And he was like the coach. People would come. Pe- he would pick the kids up from the neighborhood, take us to play football in different leagues, and we'd play basketball. He was, he was a presence. He was a presence, like a central figure in the neighborhood, you know? Because, like, you know, you had your winos, winos in the neighborhood. You had your pimps, and you had your prostitutes in the neighborhood. You had a lot of fast shit going on. Um, you had... Yo, they call them smack heads You know what I'm saying Like heroin users And like people that just look like Zombies You could never even imagine That my old man would be like On the substance And even when he was on the substance Like he still maintained the job Until he died um, But It just takes a toll on the household Like you know coming home And The TV is not there And then the TV is back And man You know what I'm saying It's like to the point where, like, you know, we used to just go hustle and go to the local grocery store. Excuse me, ma'am, may I carry your bags for a little change. And, like, Payless had these fake Jordans that, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, mothers was buying their kids, and you didn't want to be the kid with the damn pro wings on, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, pro wings, man. <laughs> yeah, you wasn't going to get no ladies with the pro wings, Jack, nah. you know. I just had an insatiable drive kind of in a way, like, not to be poor once I realized I was poor especially like when I went to high school like I went to um to play basketball in a high school that was in the suburbs and so like really seeing like 16 year olds pulling up in three series BMWs and all type of shit and it's like damn like I'm really fucked. Then it sinks poor. in. Like you go to some of they cribs and it's like, oh shit, like nigga, we we fucked up. <laughs> like yeah, it's just crazy. And so that that made me really figure like, all right, man, let me get to it. And my father used to have a saying, and he was transparent. Like man, you know, I know basketball. Really, that's all I know. And I'm gonna teach you that. And um, if you don't get a scholarship because you ain't really want to work hard, you know what I'm saying? So you should at least get a free education out of this and use basketball. Don't let basketball use you like it use me, you know? Get your education and take it serious and, you know, do what you did. Like, so he was actually the first person in our family ever to go to college. He had a scholarship to Bradley University and then St. Louis University, got in some trouble and got kicked out, you know what I'm saying? and didn't get a chance to make it to the next level. I wish he was still here, but I feel like at least he left me equipped with like a compass on how to navigate through
0: shit. Today's guest on Keeping It a Hundo is Mickey Halsted. He's from the south side of Chicago. Yes, sir. We're going to get to some of that. Mickey, shut off your phone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I nah, you're good. <laughs> We're going to get back to some of that basketball stuff. Let's let's get to some music Mm-hmm. In 1999, you were featured on an album by the Go Getters, yeah, a Chicago group that uh-huh. included a young man by the name of Kanye West. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Tell me about that a little bit. You met Kanye through your sister. I
1: met I met Ye through my sister. So, so yeah, really, I was the first rapper. It was this uh, my buddy Cedric Grissett, man, and he's man, he's still locked up. I got a writer and he just made me remember him. My buddy Cedric Grissett lived across the street. He had a rap contest, right? And before then, it was these, you know, rap was exploding at that time. It was How like, old are you at this point? I'm like 10, 11 maybe. And he had this birthday party and BDP was out and Rakim was out. And it was like this rap special that came on that, um, that I recorded um, on the, on the, on the uh, VHS, right? And it was this rapper like. He was like, "Some, something from Chicago. I'm a pretty boy, Floyd. And so back then, like, I learned and memorized that rap so raw, right? But it was, like, a show that came on, like, late at night on, like, an off-brand channel. So, like, this birthday party comes, right? And they, like, we having a rap contest for this prize or that prize. And so people got to rapping. And I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm about to say this pretty boy Floyd rap, right? And so... I rap, Pretty Boy Floyd, won the rap battle, rap contest, got the little ten dollars or whatever it was, and it's like that was one of the illest feelings in the world. Like even though people thought it was my rap, you know what I'm saying? So I started out as a biter, you know.
0: There was a kid in my middle school who had BDP shaved in his head. Stop playing. Yeah. He had lines in his head and BDP on the back.
1: Damn, that's dope. Yeah.
0: So I don't know.
1: KRS One and Rakim, like they were like everything to me growing up, you know. So that started our rap foray, and then so I, I'm playing ball. I'm focused on that. I'm play back. I played baseball, basketball, and football in high school, and so I'm really trying to figure a way to get out of poverty. You know, what I'm saying I'm like, that's all I'm thinking about. Like, what's the quickest way to get up out, get some millions? You know, and rapping wasn't one of them because rap wasn't like. It wasn't like New York or even the East Coast right. where it's Like you know, you got an industry. You knew these people Chicago that were signed. They had the rap no rappers. Anthem. You know, it wasn't nobody rapping like for real. Like even when we heard a comment in twisted like Do or Die, Do or Die. Like even then, it's like we didn't. Uh, I didn't. It didn't really register. Like man, like, I should try to like do that. But I always was like. I got off into freestyling, like I got off into hip hop, like just as a fan and freestyling in the culture and tried to break dance and shit. I wasn't that good, but I tried to break dance and I was always like the best freestyler in my around among my neighborhood, my homies. So my homies would take me like to the other neighborhood or the other clique and I'd battle they best rapper. And so I was that kid, right? And so my brother though, he was really like writing raps, like doing talent shows and you know, shit like that and my sister was like behind him, like listening. So
0: your brother's the oldest? My
1: brother's the youngest. Yes. My brother's the mid a year and a, a year and a half younger than me. And then what's your sister? My sister's five years younger than me. Oh, okay. And so he was influencing my sister and she started writing raps, like, and her raps was fucking dope. Like, I'm like, damn, yo shit good, like next thing you know, like She's rapping in contests, and uh, it's this legendary, like Grammy-winning jazz musician named Ramsey Lewis, and he started this rap label called yep. Ivy Pyramid. She was his first like rap signee, so she was like fifteen, sixteen years wow. old. She got so a she record deal. She had, she had some real talent, like so. She was the first. She had a deal, and so they looking for production for her. She bumps into Kanye at the mall. And Kanye, you know, if you walk up to him, it's like, you know, he's trying to holler at every girl or whatever. And, you know, I guess they talk and she like, I'm a rapper. He like, I'm the best producer, I'm this, this, this. And they clicked, and all of a sudden she brought him down to Ramsey Lewis. And he's and in like
0: high school at this point?
1: He's like high he's he's just starting at Chicago State at this time. Okay. She's in high school. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe he's a senior, but he's like right senior, yeah. freshman year type. And so she's younger. She's like freshman, sophomore, yeah, some, yeah. Like, something like that. So, sophomore in high school. And so she got this budget and she got a fine production. And so, like, he became, she brought him down to Ramsey Lewis and he became like her producer. And so, she would always be over his mama crib. They'd be making music, and I had went away to college on a basketball scholarship. And so, when I would come back, I would just come check on my sister. Like, man, who is y'all? Are you with these dudes? Like, you know, I don't know if they trying to hit it. What, what they doing? They are uh, you writing songs? They really still wasn't real with me. Like, how professional this is this right, relationship? A, I, like, what's really going on? Like, yeah. for real. Like, and so I would just go over there check on him, and she'd be telling him like brother could rap better than now y'all. you all should listen to my brother and i'll be like man you know i ain't really thinking about no rap christina and so one day i go over there and like his house was like the who's who of like the young up-and-coming chicago rappers they was in his mama crib and like it was so it was glc i would say GLC. it was, was shauna and tifa from infamous syndicate and she was later with deep D- T- dtp it was Cap One, who was signed, and now he's with like, um, with, with two chains, and it's like it was all of these people, Rhyme Fest, legendary battler, like it was like Tuan Gabs, it was like all of these dope MCs over there and rapping, and I guess one day I came over there and I was rapping, and he was like, "Damn, boy, you like really dope, like." You think you've, you've been writing, you write raps I'm like, I, I never wrote, wrote a rap And he was like, man, take this beat Maybe it was a CD or tape, one of them Take, this, take these beats and see what you come up with Because I like killed the freestyle shit, right? And I was like, I right, bet I go home that same night, I write three songs Come back the next day he like, man, what's up, man? Um, when you gonna finish the records? I'm like, I'm done he like, going in the closet. The booth was the closet, right? Like going to the closet, lay him in. Man, I, 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 one, of the, one of the raps that I, songs I did was called Foolish Game, which kind of like turned into like a Chicago classic. Like I did that record and he was blown away. Like, damn, like this is one of the dopest songs. Like it's crazy. And he wanted to sign me to what was then for good music, it was called Command Productions. And so, man, all I really wanted for, for them to sign me was a two-way pager at the time, you know? So it wasn't <laughs> no money exchange or nothing <laughs> like that. Sky pager? Yeah, I wanted I wanted one of them two, two-way pages, them like... Um, time ports at the time. Oh, yeah,
0: at this point, it's like
1: 1998
0: or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, I wanted
1: one of them, it's like... Two ways, t Yeah, 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 <laughs> and so, I got me one of those, and I got beats and started doing it, and next thing you know, like, I, my demo was like, all of a sudden, overnight, people was really saying, like, the consensus on the street was like, I was the best rapper in the city, and it's like, shit was kind of crazy to me, because... In college like I was having a good season I was approaching like Senior year I was like I had My sights on at least Playing ball overseas And maybe getting a shot To play in the NBA You know To kind of fulfill What my father's dreams were So That kind of happened Music kind of just For some reason Just was so the rush was like the basketball court to me and, and it was like it seemed like a fast track to getting to the ultimate goal which was money so like I had like an offer to play like in Slovenia and some other places but like music was right there like here at that point Kanye was doing beats for Jay at that time he had did um a lot of shit for like bad boy artists. He was ghost producing for Derek D di Angeletti and um so like I was seeing it happen like right then and before my eyes. Yeah, he was blowing up through him, like going crazy. So they were working with Eminem and Nas and all these people like that I was like huge fans of and like I could listen to my songs next to their songs and be like damn like I can be one of the best. Like, that was my, my whole thing. Like, man, I could be one of the best. I could do that, you know? And so, all of a sudden, I'm a rapper. Next thing you know, um, Cash Money Rough Rider tour happens. And they come into Chicago. And some of my, like, um, my dope boy cousins and, and they homies used to, like, go gamble with Cash Money. Like, when, when tourists come in town, like, the heavies in each city, like, the big street guys, they'd go mess with, you know, the rappers, yeah. and, you know, so they'd go mess with them, and somehow, my demo that was just circulating, like, wildfire through the city, got in the hands of Baby and Wayne, and next thing you know, I'm getting calls, like, man, bro, Baby said, they ain't took your CD out the bus, like, in two weeks like he wants you to come to, to new orleans like right now like i'm like well i'm signing to kanye so kanye gotta go yeah he ends up going i'm like yeah he a big fan of, of of them i really wasn't and so i sent kanye down i can't say i was a total like east coast head but i was i was a hip-hop head i i messed with q on the west coast i messed with cam on the west coast i messed with a few a lot of west coast export. that's how
0: everybody was where i'm from like in that. boston nobody was listening to cash money or anything yeah stuff. i wasn't so listening when that. i went down to miami that's when everything changed yeah
1: but, like so i wasn't really in tune like i would see the videos i saw that they was rich you know what i'm saying but i'm like i felt like i would rather be like on rockefeller you know what i'm saying so Kanye was messing with Rockefeller so but I sent him down there and he was like man they love you they they want to sign the whole Man productions they were even talking about doing like cash money Midwest and all kind of stuff like it was just crazy to me that people were that enthralled with my music for real because it's not something that I like really took serious it's like writing raps came super like easy to me
0: you weren't putting your all into it yeah know. I wasn't basketball even basketball was your focus basketball, this basketball was
1: my focus the like writing a rap yeah. was like a release like alright this is dope ass beat let I me mean, I was always a good student and a great writer like that was my strong point like I felt like I really should have went to law school like and that's what my plan was like I was applying LSAT all of that like I wanted to go to Northwestern Law they had a program where um they did all this forensic evidence and they went and looked at convictions and started trying to overturn like wrongful convictions, like especially like uh, racist rulings that they felt. So like yeah. I, I, I learned about that program one day, um, while I was in high school, one of the teachers brought it up and I felt like I would be perfect. Like that's a passion You have like, a passion to, towards that. Yeah, like I could be passionate about that. Like And you'd be good at it. And I'd be you know, dope at it. Yeah. Know? And so, you know, shit, music, fucked all that. <laughs> I probably get way more money if I just stuck to the education route. Money, changes, money things. changes things. Money so changes things. It changes the path. It does. So what happens is Kanye, like, man, they love you, man, but I don't really want to fuck with it. Like, they too, like, gangster for me. Like, this not really my wave. I kind of fuck with Jay and all of that. I'm like, well, damn, it's like, man, the down seem like, they... They fucking with me Like they've heard my music They heard this It's like I don't know It's like people was kind of saying like I had a similar tone as Jay At that time And so like Jay was doing um, Things like And it didn't bother me It bothered some of the other rappers That rap with us When he's selling a beat He would play our songs As like This beat is available too Right And so like Sometimes it'll be a song and a concept, or you'll feel like, damn, that sounds a lot like my song. But he was like, man, basically, when I asked him about it, he was like, well, shit, you know, they like it better when it should, when they can hear like how somebody attacked the beat. Because this soul sample thing, you know, it was a new style, not to say it was like, like new because the RZA had done it, other people had done it, but like he was taking like, Ye was taking like soul samples in a way, like, you know, under the tutelage of No ID, who was like really the godfather of that, you know what I'm saying? Um, But he was taking them soul samples and it was like different. So I guess Ye playing the songs for people was letting them know, like, this is how you really can rap on those kind of beats, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. He felt like the beats sold better with us on them, and he was giving them to us for nothing. We wasn't paying for him, so at the end of the day, it was his shit to do what he wanted to do with it, you know? So I never really tripped on that at all. I love it. He brought me into the music shit. I wouldn't even have wrote a rap, probably, if it wasn't for him. So, But at the same time, because people said, oh, man, his um tone is a little J-like, I felt like I wouldn't get a shot over there. Um, so, was it true
0: that Cash Money wasn't... Down
1: with the sampling because they had to pay for it. Yeah, they wasn't down. Well, and, and this, I'm gonna get to that in one second. He like, Man, go down there, man. See what I'm gonna go see. I'm, like, I'm gonna go see for myself. I'm like, Do I have your blessing? He's like, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Man, I ain't tripping. And so, but he was tripping, you know, it's like you could hear on Final Call, like that was him talking about me, like uh, on the first album. When I heard that shit, like it really took me by surprise because I'm hearing it at the same time the rest of the world hearing it. And that shit really hurt.
0: Everybody's listening to the last call before and been like Yeah, yeah, like
1: that was. Yeah, was, he's was story about yeah, he's telling the story about man. you. Yeah, so me and my sister go down there because they was like, Man, he he, he wanna sign you and your sister. Go down there, they put us in a the room, they bring in this lawyer, Vernon, and Vernon has um he was saying this is Biggie's lawyer, this contract the same as Biggie's contract. I'm like, man, can I get a lawyer? Like, like man, we ain't really got time. We trying to do this right now, man. You wanna do this right now? pulled the check out wrote the checks right then right there like and I really didn't want to do the deal I felt like pressured like you know at this point like I had just graduated college so I had a degree in education and I was about to go to law school um so at this point it really was like I'm gonna be straight like, I'm about to escape the cycle of poverty regardless, so I don't really care about this shit, you know what I'm saying? But my sister's looking at me with them big eyes, like, this is her lifelong dream, you feel what I'm saying? And even though it was like people was acting like I was the golden child, like, being a rapper was something, not something that I woke up in the morning wanting to do, like, for real. It's just like a talent, you know? But it wasn't like, this all I want to do in life type Shit for me, you know what I'm saying. I'd much rather play in the NBA than been a rapper. You know, um, I probably would have enjoyed being a lawyer. But when you when you have when you multi-talented, sometimes it could be a, a blessing and a curse. You know, because it's like it takes away that focus of one thing. Because my father was going through what he was going through, and our family was going through what we were going through, and everybody was broke, and everybody was struggling, and I was like, man, we ain't never seen this much money. i fuck around and just cave into the pressure and I took the deal, signed it. No, turn, no attorney, nothing. Under the premise though that Kanye was gonna get paid, that they wanted the album that I had already. Basically my demo, they were gonna put that out. They were like, man, shit, you'll be out like in six months. Like, you know, you're doing a cover shoot while you down here right now. Like, this is what we gonna do. What's the album called? I said, Tears and Pain, you know what I'm saying? shit that's what it's been you know what I'm saying so at the end of the day I want to like relay that and really bring like tell the gutter Chicago story because it had never been told even though Common as great as he was like my background and upbringing was a lot more crazy you know what I'm saying than the area that he was from so mm-hmm. yeah so I wanted to bring more of a hood perspective and Common is like was my favorite rapper though like nobody made me more proud than Common and Twister like because at the end of the day like when I saw them do it, like I knew, like they could do it. And when I, when Common dropped Resurrection, like to see that somebody from 87th Street could be on the same level like as Nas, like that really made me proud. Like it gave me a sense of pride that I never felt like before. So that being said, I took the deal. They like, all right, Kanye gonna get cashed out. He gonna pay. We gonna pay him this price for all the beats, and then be good. I'm like, cool. They give me the check, give my sister the check, go to Chase, I'll put that shit in the bank. Come back the next day to the office. They're like, man, come, let's celebrate. We got food and all that. And um, so baby calls me into the office and says, hey, man, we found out, man, um, Kanye samples, bro. We're not going to be able to like, because I call Ye like excited, like, hey, bro, man, 7,500 times. 14 beats, like you about to get cashed out because he was struggling, he was trying to get to New York, all type of shit. And um, He like, I right, bet, man. have me fly down, I'm gonna track the shit out and da-da-da-da-da. back
0: up the U Haul van, right? Exactly. <laughs> so,
1: that. so, but then it comes with a caveat. I get back there the next day after I talked to Ye, It's like, Man, all right, this is what it is. They like, Man, no, oh, um slim told me he samples man and we don't it fucks up publishing money we ain't we don't do no sampling bro like manny manny gonna recreate all those beats bro and i look and i like my sister standing there and she know like she know me like i bug up i spazz out like my. i guess kind of being light-skinned and like a um a crazy kind of ghetto neighborhood and always being like i'm the only light-skinned curly-haired dude like in the neighborhood like people trying you. everybody always tried me like so i always played with an edge you know what i'm saying i, I everything my life just kind of had an edge my father's is brown skin my brother's brown at dark skin it's like i'm i just came out like this and so it's like uh me and my mother the only really light-skinned people in my whole family you know what i'm saying so I bugged up and said, man, fuck it, then, bro. If he can't get paid, then I'll fucking quit. He's like, what you mean quit? You can't quit. I'm like, I could, could do what the fuck I want to. I don't have to I'll quit. I'm like, he like, well, give me my money, back." I said, shit, it's in the bank right now, you know. But you can get the shit back. I ain't really tripping, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Ye can't get paid, then fuck it. And so it's like 30 niggas in the 30 goons all in, in the office. And it's like all... He's taking his shirt off. It's like a big ass show. He's screaming, yelling, who the fuck this motherfucker think he is? My sister there. And I'm like, basically my whole thought process is like, listen, my whole family know where we at. So you do some shit to me, G. It's going to be a bus of GDs that's going to be down here in a day. And it's going to be a bloodbath in this motherfucker. So you could just let me walk out of here or... Or not, however you want to play it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's whatever it is. It's like, and so, like, we got off to the worst start. Next thing you know, five minutes later, he comes back and was like, man, all right, tell you to come down here. We're going to pay for five of them now, then we're going to pay for five of them later, and then we're going to do this, and uh, and we ain't going to redo the shit. And he was like, man, basically kind of like on some shit like, man, I respect how you stood up for your man, like, but he really didn't. It was really, like, it was never, it was fucked up from the start. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, who the fuck is you to stand up to me like that? You know what I'm saying? You little college boy. You feel what I'm saying? So, basically, told Ye that. Ye was, like, semi-happy because it wasn't what I told him at first. Like, he came down, tracked the beats out, did what he did, and went back packed the U-Haul up, got that money, and headed to do what he did and go to make history and be Kanye West, you know? So that situation was, like, basically, like, doom from the start, you know? And so we had our good times um, on the road, but, like... He
0: really tried to change his style up, though? Like, he wanted you to get the neck tattoos... uh, Oh, yeah, hell yeah. The white tees and the Reebok classics. White tees,
1: Reeboks, all that, like but i'm like man like i'm a polo type of dude you know what i'm saying it's like oh that shit would never work And then i'm watching kanye do the exact same thing and like fucking go crazy but we had good times but then we had bad times we'll get into it i wasn't getting the money i was supposed to my project kept getting stalled i recorded over 75 songs that i i can never have that i had to leave behind Um, I end up leaving because I got into it with, like, he was, like, third or fourth in command of cash money. And he was, like, the guy that Baby would use, like, to send, like, for example, Greg Green to pay you, right? Like, oh, he got your money. Like, he's handling your flights. When your shit fucked up and you don't get your money, like, oh, man, I told Greg to do it. So it's like you keep putting this middleman in between us to buffer So he's he's the scapegoat and eventually like he was being, we was playing a video game and like he was kind of goading me on and talking about how my shit ain't never gonna come out and I'm a college boy and he kind of like, what he was was speaking, he kind of like spit in my face. So basically, man, I told him, man, if another drop of spit touches my face, man, I'm gonna fuck you up. And I think he said like, I ain't gonna do shit. And like a, it touched my cheek, and as soon as that drop spit touched my cheek, I just totally blacked the fuck out. And by the time I came to, they was pulling me off of me. He was looking like he was dead. Like I seen his face, like disfigured like right before my eyes. And I'm thinking like his bloods coming out of his mouth, nose, all type of shit. And like I'm like, please, Lord. When I just came to my senses, like. Please don't tell me I done caught a murder or some shit, like, on the road with this dumbass rap shit. Like, I'm scared. Like, wake the fuck up, dude. Like, and so when he finally snapped back to it, like, I just got off the bus and I walked.
0: Hold up. Is this this the shark bus?
1: It's the shark. Well, no, we was, the shark bus was behind us, but we was playing video games on, on
0: baby's bus. The bad news is that's all for today, but the good news is you don't have to wait a week to hear the rest of my conversation with Mickey Halstead. I'll have that ready in a few days. You can hear about the time he gave J. Cole work on the basketball court, why he would never work with R. Kelly again, and we'll announce the top five Mickeys of all time. I appreciate the reposts on Instagram and the shares on Facebook. Shout out to Folio Sims, Carpaccio Simmons Patricia Penichero Shaki Kelly Wendy Jim and Latif Fields so early next week we'll have the second part of my conversation with Mickey Halstead also coming up I'll have a conversation with my boy Courtney aka Black Noise we'll be breaking down what it takes to win an intramural championship and let you know what you should be watching on TV or Netflix or whatever thanks for listening to Keeping It A Hundo